Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Squadron's Town Hall, an online conversation with our senior leadership team, Commodore Sean McDermott and General Manager Scott King. I'm Michaela Sani, Communications and Membership Manager here at the club, and I will be your moderator for this session. Before we begin, we want to thank you, our members, for the encouraging amount of questions presented in advance. We will do our best to cover a good selection of these submissions that speak to all aspects of the club. Tonight's 45-minute discussion will focus on the season in review, the club's current state, and planning for the coming year. If you would like to ask a question that has not been addressed during this session, you may do so by using the Q&A feature provided by this platform located in the toolbar as the second icon in. From there, you can open the chat to put forward your question. Please note that your question will be visible to all parties. We will do our absolute best to try and answer all questions within the allotted time. As well, we ask that you please continue to be kind in your questions and feedback as we work through the season ahead together. And now, make sure your volume is up so that you can hear us loud and clear. And as with our previous town hall session, the hand raising feature on this forum will not be monitored, so please do not use this. And now, to begin our town hall, I would like to introduce Commodore Sean McDermott for his opening remarks. Thanks, Miguel, and thanks everybody. Thanks for joining in. Uh, so quite a year so far. Uh, personally, we returned home from Southern Climbs in March uh, to start two weeks of isolation in the midst of winter. And uh, we know how many more squadron members shared this experience. So uh, thank God for wine deliveries. Uh, for the board and staff from the initial March shutdown, it was living Thursday to Thursday to see what the province would come up with next. And Scott and I developed protocols for, well, just about everything we could possibly encounter and yet often threw them out the following Thursday uh, because it became obsolete as the province changed things. So it was a, a very, very busy time. And uh, we became masters of reaction out of necessity. Um, as something changed, we had to change course and we did it very, very quickly. So imagine sailing in very shifty breeze. It was the same sort of thing. Uh, we spoke with anyone and everyone to find the best way forward and I reached out all around the planet to see what other people were doing. And because of this, we became leaders. And so we ended up with uh, many yacht clubs, uh, most area yacht clubs in particular, and sailing organizations uh, looking to us for guidance. So we were certainly uh, leaders in that regard. So it was helpful to help out our community. Communications were key, so we dropped the monthly lifeline in favor of a weekly update to match the frequency of regulatory changes coming from the province. And our communications director, Michaela, who's here tonight, uh, she worked tirelessly at all of this. So uh, polishing um, things uh, became her bit because uh, my writing skills, uh, they need work. Anyhow, as the uh, restrictions tightened, we got extremely nervous. And while we never shut the squadron down completely, we got very, very close. And I have to say, I was worried. Um, there was an hour there when I thought we were done. And tiptoeing around the boatyard became an actual thing. I mean, who would have ever thought that would be something we would do? Just picture it a year earlier if you suggested something. Uh, boating from private docks and facilities eventually became possible for us. And then finally sailing with your family bubble was a go. From late May and into early June, it seemed like we were almost back to normal. But of course we weren't. Our race team was parked while well, the first inklings that learned to sail might be possible hit our radar. Vice Commodore of Sail Training, Jane, August, Sebastian, Curtis, the team jumped in early and we benefited hugely uh, with what would eventually become one of our best learn to sail seasons in a decade. 
families recognize the value of the squadron uh, because of what we put together joined in healthy numbers. So we're, we're very, very pleased. And then the province allowed a social bubble of up to 10 and keelboat racing became possible. Uh, Vice Commander Sailing Air and a team shifted to breakwater starts, finishes, which allowed us to scale back the cost of a dedicated race committee while still running competitive and fun racing. With our race team home, some of the members jumped in to fill in as race committee volunteers, and we we're really pleased to see that. Volunteerism this year quadrupled easily. We fixed up the J-22s and made them free for all members to sail and race, and I can get the numbers for you at a future time, but the uptake was, was massive, and it was really great to use assets like that. We're, we're very lucky to have them. Kayaks, paddle boards uh, were seen around the marina on nice days. Uh, the grounds had never looked better, thanks to Vice Commodore of House and Grounds, Jeff, Mark, and team. Vice Commodore Waterfront, Tony, Wayne, and team oversaw a major cleanup of the yard, including the breakwater. I hope you've had a chance to look at that in the past uh, few months, because it's uh, very different than it was in the past. Socially distanced dining, the inventive Galaxy Go service. Uh, I'm sure you all took, uh, took advantage of that at some point or other. I certainly did. And eventually we were able to bring back our dining room staff and servers. So that was really, really good to see uh, that happen. With warmer weather, outdoor dining became possible and on many occasions. Uh, we are back to what any other summer might be. A very successful music night showed the possibility of what happens when you think outside the box. Um, same for the race team. Hedgecoat Og had them uh, windsurfing, foiling, and all other manner of sailing. A uh, dinghy to keelboat program brought along by Augustine and Roby Douglas and volunteers showed a pathway forward for our younger members and uh, where they might go in the future. And with most travel limited to the Atlantic bubble, unless you're willing to isolate, members stayed in the province in droves and our dining, pools, wharves had never been so busy. Subject to protocols, of course. Nice days saw the harbor and arm filled with squadron boats, both power and sail, and not just on weekends. Our summer cruise was exactly what the doctor ordered. Cape Breton saw several of our boats touring about having fun. Summer racing moved to outside starts with lots of uptake and fun focus. Our annual Venetian night was massive with over 60 yachts taking part. Fall racing for Prince of Wales, Winona saw a return to large fleets we hadn't seen in years. And the racing was both competitive and fun. Learn to sail, race team activities, continued through the fall and sailing finally wrapped up for the season less than two weeks ago from today. After three Saturday J-22 event that saw 50 intrepid racers compete in the arm right in front of the yacht club. Hopefully you got a chance to see some of that. Even Carl and I got a chance to sail on one of the Saturdays and it was an absolute blast. And just in time too. Now return to restrictions occurred a week ago and we are now nervously watching what comes next. But we're very hopeful in the short term, but especially the long term. Will we get to sail Marblehead? Will our race team be back and representing us so well all over the planet? Probably too soon to tell, uh, but if it even becomes remotely possible, we'll get it done. As we prepare and plan through this budget season, which is upon us, we all know uh, we'll come out of the stronger. Cedric, Scott, and Vice Commodore of Finance, Lorna, and team have run numbers every way possible to try and forecast for the unforecastable. We now have a cautiously optimistic budget that allows for a decent reduction of debt while maintaining a slow yet progressive plan to move forward and restoring some neglected assets back to functional. There's a ton of upside in revenue depending on when we come out of this pandemic. So we're really, really excited about that for next summer. In summary, we're planning for a mix of a COVID year and a normal year in terms of budgeting, but expecting it will be better than that. Capital has been allocated according to the most pressing priorities with some major items on hold, but ready to go should we be able to move forward as we expect we will. Costs are already strictly controlled, 
So we are looking forward to and focusing on a return to a solid revenue stream. We have an excellent team, Kate, taking care of your squadron, and you can be assured we'll be ready for whatever's thrown at us next. Is it easy? No. Is it fun? Mm, not so much, but, uh, but we're here for you. You're our members and this is our job. So I uh, can't wait for next year, I promise you. So now I'll hand it over to our general manager, Scott King, to take you through the club's current state. Scott, over to you. Thank you, Sean. Good evening, everyone. Thanks for taking the time to join us. Well, 2020 has certainly been quite the adventure, as Sean very articulately put. Six months since we our last town hall, and it really feels like a lifetime ago. Um, in early June, I spoke about us hopefully being on the cusp of being able to enjoy the summer, and we certainly did that. In many ways, we actually had the best summer. We had a summer that we genuinely didn't take for granted. We celebrated our squadron and life on the water, and for a while there, it looked like we couldn't do any of that at all. That joy spread into four as we squeezed every ounce of sailing out of the arm that we could. When I say we, it's the role we, obviously. What an amazing result that was for the club, given where we were in the spring. Our club's current state is one of cautious optimism. Sean used that word earlier, and it's a phrase that I've used quite a lot. Cautious optimism. There were many success stories to emerge from this year, so much to take pride in and a great deal to build on, which is very exciting as we round the corner into another challenging year. We have a newfound energy and perspective. The response from the membership this year was just outstanding. Many of you approached me to share stories about what it meant to spend most of the summer at the club. I believe that this will be one of our strongest pillars moving into 2021. That renewed energy and a perspective of a re-energized membership, very important. Many new members joined us and many old members returned. Our primary challenge, as with any member club across the globe, is to achieve sustainable growth in membership. We witnessed growth across many categories in 2020 and we remain confident that we can continue that trend. We have many of you acting as advocates for the club and bringing people to the club. And I, for one, am very excited to help, you support, help support you rather, in that effort. We have new business opportunities to pursue. Our summer programs in Learn to Sail and Quadics were particularly so successful that we ran lengthy wait lists for the first time in many years. We even brought back retired coaches to add more programs and produce record financial results in those departments. This all bodes well for 2021, given our sure footing to drive growth strategies in our most junior of programs to really genuinely build the future of our club. In 2021, we're launching a joint venture with Sail Nova Scotia, introducing a skip program which will further expand our club's high performance operation while also improving our outreach to youth sailing across the province. We've secured total funding for this program with further opportunities already discussed. We will continue to look for new partnerships and pathways to help develop talent and build connections to our club. Wednesday nights saw a definite and consistent increase in participation, in many ways the true indicator, I believe, of our sailing health. Our new and improved J22 fleet, as Sean uh, again put earlier, more than held their own. Further, they provided us with improved capability in terms of member value and activity. The response from our fraternity, both on Wednesdays and the 2-2s, puts us in fantastic position to plan for the coming season. While we're unable to run large events due to the restrictions, our daily dining revenues were actually up through most of the, of the summer and certainly through the fall, even with reduced capacity. This is definitely, to me, a clear indication of the membership's overall satisfaction with our food and beverage offer and their confidence in our service delivery. An area of our club that can be subjective and difficult to achieve consistency in, however, I believe we're well placed to continue to deliver improved services to our membership. 
we actively rebooked the vast majority of private event clients from 2020 into 2021. So successful was this, was this program led by Michaela Sang that now we have a potentially record wedding season at the Saraguay to look forward to in 2021, should public health allow us to do that. We have committed staff across all departments, all of my full-time team, from administration to hospitality, house and grounds to Bogard, are all committed to the club, our membership, and in making every experience at the club count. A few familiar faces have moved on, however, fresh new faces have also joined. And I feel very confident in our current staff group's capability and capacity to produce improved results. We have a new generation of leaders across the club who took already challenging roles and made them their own. They led our junior sailing programs, they prepared and served our meals, they kept the clubhouse clean, they helped manage our accounts and so much more. All the while they also managed COVID protocols while not losing the value of the experience for the customer or in this case, our members and guests. I'm very proud of their growth as a group and I can't wait to see what we can do next year. We have a highly engaged board of management focused on developing collaborative solutions in the best interest of the club and membership, not just for the short term, but for the long term. We have a more robust financial position. This may sound counterintuitive given what we've just experienced and the general economic pressures that exist. However, through some sound financial management combined with government support, our club's operating statement, balance sheet and cash flow are all much improved against prior years. Our debt capacity is greatly increased and we're now able to progress through a process with our bank to consolidate our debt more fully. We're certainly down on revenue, particularly event sales and the welcome seasonal influx of visiting yachts. However, we have continually realigned our cost base and actively chased all government support options, both federal and provincial. All of this has positioned us well to move into 2021 with, again, some cautious optimism. We will continue to take the required steps to ensure that our club maintains the capacity to handle any changes, but challenges, I'm sorry, but also embrace growth. So in conclusion, we have much to be thankful and hopeful for. We are very well positioned to confidently push into the coming year. We know that our club is in good shape. Our team have proven themselves capable of not just meeting expectations, but often exceeding them. And the pandemic, while terrible on many fronts for a great many people, has actually produced some positives for us as a club. However, our situation is also fragile. And as we've seen, subject to significant change at a moment's notice. While we have a much clearer understanding of what the pandemic means for us, we still have no clarity as to what next year will bring. We can only manage what's in front of us, but also plan for as many different scenarios as we can plan for. Much like myself, Sean and the entire team did over the past year, we need to move quickly, be decisive, and put our club and members first. Now, back to you, Sean, to take us through planning for the coming year. Thanks a lot, Scott, appreciate it. Um, and Scott, feel free to weigh in from time to time if, as you need to, and I'll, I'll offer it up at the end if you want to add to anything I might have missed. Uh, as you know, our board changed somewhat, uh, changes somewhat every year, and while we've brought on new board members, uh, I've repurposed some former board members to keep helping out. This is how I burn out volunteers on a regular basis. Um, but it does work when you have talent, you like to hang on to it. Um, this reflects the, uh, the importance of planning for this coming year. Uh, I need to keep focus. Uh, continuity is really important and uh, we've been able to, uh, to make some great strides, but uh, now is not the time to, uh, to stop. 
Our major focus, besides reacting to the pandemic, which is always on our minds, is membership growth. It's job one. Also, membership retention. So, our Vice Commodore of Member Services, India, will champion this role going forward and shift from a Vice Commodore to a member at large. That way, she will still have the full ear of the board to ensure we can support her in a timely manner. And as we move towards promoting and retaining membership, we need to know what we're promoting, uh, who we are as a club, our core values, and where we plan to go. And this will all eventually be in our five to 10 year strategic plan, something new for us. We've been working on this for quite a while, and currently we're focused on the branding narrative, and incoming Vice Commodore House of Grounds, Carol Rogers, is running with it, ably assisted by the membership committee and key committee players such as Tara Wickwire, uh, who has substantial experience in this area. So what they've come up with so far, uh, you may get a hint of uh, by the ABM, and it's, it's very, very exciting. All of this, of course, is uh, it's a much bigger question uh, of what our membership currently is and where we want it to be in coming years. So we're gonna examine everything, including membership categories and the related costs. So all sorts of changes potentially coming down the pipe. Very exciting time for this to take, take the stage. Um, even though there's a pandemic on, we haven't just been focused on that. We're moving very much forward as much as possible. But we also need to know what you want and what works for you and what does not. And so to that end, you will see a full member survey issued next week. Uh, links to that will probably come out on Tuesday's e-blast. So I'd really appreciate it, all of us would, if you would uh, fill it out uh, with honest comments. And uh, you can say whatever you like, uh, any information is good information, but, uh, but please fill it out, we'd love to see it. Um, I've also repurposed outgoing Vice Commodore House and Grounds, Jeff Korish, uh, our club's sewer and water system. We'll need to connect to the city system at some point. Uh, some of you may know that, some may not. In the meantime, our water, both the Saraguay and the Squatter, comes from Williams Lake. And while the long-term plan is to get proper sewer and water down the road, uh, we're not there yet. So the short-term plan needs to ensure we maintain access to our traditional water source. And they're planning some construction in Williams Lake this summer to fix a dam. They had some issues there this past summer. And we need to make sure we have a seat at the table, so Jeff's uh, uh, taken on that role, and I very much appreciate that. I've also repurposed member-at-large Eric Richards uh, to continue with his efforts uh, in the newly formed Boating Safety on the Arm Committee. Eric took on this task over a year ago, and while the initial plan was to simply add some more no-wake markers, uh, he took off with it. And uh, it's become so much more. He now has several levels of government talking and working together in a plan to maintain some enforcement presence throughout the harbor and the arm. A uh, strong educational component, excuse me, component for boaters. Uh, we'll be back by the occasional appearance of the newly repaired police boat. Uh, some of you have been around the club as long as I have. Remember 30 years ago, uh, we used to have a boat uh, that did that and uh, stopped me on several occasions, so I'm a much better sailor as a result. Um, efforts in this area, uh, as I said, for 20, 30 years, they've been tried and they've failed, and it's, it's, the board's had to go at it every time, and so we're finally getting some traction with it. Um, Eric's done a great job so far. He's agreed to stay with it, and uh, we'll see what comes out of it. So he will report to the, uh, to the board from time to time, and then we'll report back to you so you know what's going on. Um, our IT infrastructure, uh, boy, you're allowed to smile there, Scott, if you want. It's, uh, I, can't, it's a, I can't manage to smile at the moment. I think we were, talk, <laughs> we were talking earlier on today and we thought the, the mice might have eaten it. But anyhow, it's, it's probably not that. Um, we have legacy systems we've been patching together for years. My background's in IT and I can tell you that uh, what we have has been cobbled together and held together with band-aids and a minimal budget. And, <clears throat> We're now paying for that, so it's it's time to move on. Um, 
the lay the uh, website's currently down. We'll see how that goes the next few days, but we're on it. Um, it just kind of failed horribly in the meantime, but uh, we'll get that sorted out as soon as possible, and you'll be kept abreast of that. A learn to sail program. Uh, we'll see a new capital investment, uh, some new boats this year. Uh, we've purchased no new sailing assets in over 20 years, if you could imagine, um, which is pretty amazing that those boats have been able to get together. Uh, they are in challenged shape, but uh, we have uh, Luke and Carson on staff that are fixing these boats in-house. We couldn't afford to do it um, by farming these jobs out. So it's, it's very cool where they're going, but we need to start a, a steady capital replacement program for various things. We can't just wait till uh, it all ends horribly and we end up uh, stuck. So you'll see a few new boats and hopefully next year a few more new boats and on and on until we build our programs, replace the assets that are costing us so much effort to maintain now that really shouldn't be doing that. So LTS, and I will mention, because I hear this quite a bit, uh, they actually made us some money this year. That's a first, uh, as far as I know. So uh, that's really wonderful to hear, because sometimes people get the sense that uh, it's just a money, a money bit, and it's not. And also, those folks over there running around are the future of our club, and it's a core element of our constitution to make sure we, uh, we encourage sailing. And uh, besides, it's so much more fun watching those little kids run around the arm out there sailing. It's uh, warms the heart. Uh, keelboat racing, we want to see growth in that area as well this year. Um, we have uh, Greg Blunden, incoming VC. Aaron did a great job. Uh, we have uh, very aggressive activity by uh, both Chester and Lunenburg. Uh, they had a welcome back regatta this year at Lunenburg, which is uh, very well subscribed. Uh, Chester Race Week will be back next year, most likely. and. Uh, we're going to see how we fit into this mix as uh, as the representatives through the metro area for doing all these things, all the local racing. So we should see a good emphasis on Prince of Wales and Winona, our opening regatta, fall one design, things like that. And don't forget the J22 program we have and all that sort of sailing. So you'll see a lot more as spring rolls out where we're going to be. And uh, it should be a very exciting time. Um, we're looking at, uh, this is my, my pet, my pet focus. Uh, a weather station of webcams out on top of the uh, <laughs> the race hut so that uh, you can go online to the website once that's fixed and actually be able to look at what's going on in terms of weather and what the uh, what the winds are and what the general view is so it's not unreasonable to expect that and we're going to work towards that you'll see that by spring and marblehead uh, hopefully marblehead uh, graham roy's the uh, the co-chair for this and he's working in the background i know that uh, this conversation today um, everybody's ready. All we need uh, is, is somebody to fire the gun and we'll be set to go. So we are following the protocols literally uh, by the hour at times. And as things ease up, we're going to see the potential for vaccines, early testing, all sorts of things, which may make it possible to do Marblehead. And that'll be wonderful. And we'll be ready to go. There will be no, uh, no dawdling on our end. Our race team, uh, they spent all summer with us, uh, helping out, volunteering, doing their own things as well, but hopefully see them back on the road. They're all over the planet. They always represent us very well, and uh, they're ambassadors wherever they go. So really keen to see them back in business. And again, we're just going to wait on protocols and how that might all work. Um, also, the thing is, they've been training sort of in a bubble of their own all summer. So when they get back to competition, it'll be Really interesting to see where they fit into things on a national, international level. So I'm sure they're going to do really well. All right, that's enough for me. Uh, back to you, Michaela.
Thank you, Commodore. Uh, and now we're going to welcome in some of our pre-submitted questions. So to begin, first question. In years gone by, there was a long-term planning committee. Do we still have one? Have any long-term planning objectives been identified? And if so, what is the status of this plan and what are some of the objectives? I'll answer that, Scott. <laughs> Thanks, Sean. Uh, yeah, no worries. That's uh, so really, uh, it's, it's a really good question. Yes, there's a long-range planning committee and uh, chaired by a past Commodore and uh, they did a great job. They worked on membership issues, which had been left for a while. Uh, with the membership committee and we got to where uh, we are now with uh, spousal membership uh, and that was sort of in place when I took over and uh, so my focus became on things that I heard a lot about and uh, like the Saraguay what can we do with the Saraguay can we sell it can we manage it in a different way uh, uh, what are the issues uh, well one of the big issues we know is uh, is water level rise uh, so the models run out to 50 years uh, they looked at the lidar data which is high resolution laser data for altitude um, to see if a half meter rise of sea level what does that do for us if you tack that onto a high tide and a storm what does that do for us so we have some uh, substantial challenges coming in the not too many years ahead uh, and certainly not out even 50 years so we could call this Araguay house our lifeboat I don't want to call it that really uh, we'll sort out our main clubhouse but these challenges uh, we need we need to look at it long term so that stuff has been handled uh, they parked it uh, back with the board and they did a great job in that. I certainly appreciate it. I also got to, them to look at the issues. Uh, some of the storms we have, like Dorian last year, we, we have low resolution uh, swells that come in out of the south and uh, they pound against our breakwater and depending on the frequency of the swell, uh, they can do damage. So uh, this from Dorian, there was a substantial undermining of the fill and uh, we were able to fix that in-house. Uh, Wayne and his team and, uh, and Tony oversaw that. And, uh, but that just tells us that uh, we're vulnerable. So what are the issues going forward? What can we do? I, I know that the breakwater out in um, uh, Herring Cove was heavily damaged in the same storm and they're literally working on it as we speak. Uh, they're out there again today. Huge expense, huge cost. It's just gonna become a bigger deal. So. We need to know just how vulnerable we are, and so that's part of the conversation right now, and then we'll put some planning into it, and then we'll have to cost out what we can do. Uh, bang for the buck, if you like, and come up with some ideas. But uh, So yes, we do have a long-range planning committee, but like all committees on November 1, they cease to exist, and they get reformed and rebuilt. So we're a little busy with the short-range planning committee right now, which is COVID and everything else is going on, but uh, within two months, we'll have that set up. So yes, thank you for that question. It's very good. Back to you, Michaela. Thank you, Commodore. Has the possibility of offering a social membership with pool access as a possible package been truly considered? I think it would be a way to add membership and increase revenue. Me again, okay, great. Um, <laughs> don't worry, we'll get you later, Scott. Uh, my time's up. Yeah, no kidding. The, uh, it's a really good idea. Uh, our membership committee and the membership committee beforehand uh, looked at all sorts of different different categories and if you've been on the website when it was working sorry sore point um, you can see all the categories we have there's something for everybody at the squadron I I'm I'm fond of saying that in many ways we're all social members we join the club uh, for the experience of belonging to the club uh, it allows us to use the dining facilities meeting facilities decks everything else and the pools 
and at one time the tennis court. That's still under discussion as well. The value added depends on what your interests are. So if you then add in, I want to be learned to sail, or I want to be on the race team, or I have a boat, I need storage, I need a dock, I need a mooring, um, that becomes add-ons. So we're all basically social members in some ways, and then we just add on the features we want so that not everybody pays the same amount, subsidizes different things if they're not using them. But your point's valid. Uh, we've heard it before, and the, the membership committee, I guarantee, will uh, will look at that again. So thank you. Good question. Michaela. Thank you, Commodore. My senior five total dues, annual dues plus capital dues, increased 5.6% year over year. What were the percentage increases for the other four senior categories? If there are differences, please explain the rationale. Um, yeah, I'm up again. Uh, there are no differences. Everybody got a 3% rise in what your membership dues are, but that included 1.92%, which is the cost of living. Um, so there was just a very, very modest amount. Um, there was also $50 of capital dues, which brought capital dues up to 200. The, uh, the slight rise in membership fees um, for anybody who's shopped for groceries or any food, just about anything except for fuel, Everything costs so much more right now. So that's uh, that was one way of just having a look and seeing uh, uh, how much we needed to actually cover off some of these extra extra costs. And uh, and we'll see. It's a it's a very modest increase, um, and really it's basically cost of living. So it it applies to all senior categories. So it was equally applied as a percentage. Back to you, Miguel. Thank you, Commodore. COVID may be the culprit behind closures, but what is the club's plan with regards to members' paid dues and food and beverage minimums should the need to extend the closures go beyond the two-week period? I'll take these ones. Uh, Sean, you can take a back seat for a little bit. Um, well, look, not knowing what's ahead week to week makes this a very difficult question to ask um, or to answer, um, although the concern is completely understandable. Um, we need to view the membership to the club as being an annual membership. It's, it's not broken down in terms of weeks or months. Um, you know, at this time of year, the activity in the club is significantly down traditionally. Um, I think it accounts for 2% of the, of the year's um, food and beverage uh, sales of this particular month. So the timing at this point, you know, if we're gonna be shut down, this is sort of the time to do it. Um, but we need to look at the whole year in context. Um, Certainly once we reopen, uh, there's going to be a range of, of value-add food and beverage promotions with, that we were already working on and about to launch actually when we got shut down again. So there'll be a lot of value-added incentive to come to the club, enjoy the facilities. Um, and I'm looking forward to making a bit of noise once, once we're able to, um, to support the membership to come back to the club. That, that is guaranteed. Um, however, it's very difficult to know really where we're going to be in a month's time. I think we're a little bit clearer now on where the province is going to move. I think we're all, you know, been swimming around in this long enough to sort of pre, pre-align some hypotheticals about what they may or may not do. Um, there's a chance that restaurants might be shut down through to Christmas. They might favour family groups and social gatherings over restaurants and bars, but we're just going to have to play it by year. Um, but certainly given the year that we've just had, very confident that there will be ample opportunity to uh, to enjoy the club and the membership that it um, that it affords. Back to you, Michael. Thank you, Scott. Why has the club opted to not offer galley to go takeout service at this time? 
difficult question, um, but essentially just due to due to the demand. Um, as I said, when we had Galley to Go, which was such a, a force through the year and was embraced so solidly um, by the membership, you know, we had boats on the water, we had people in the grounds, we had the pools active. There was a lot of people that were close by to the kitchen that could that could order takeout food. At this time of year, the demand is just not there. Um, I have staff to consider at the moment for them. Um, there are some, there is a lot of government support that's available, um, and for us to open for a, a limited window of opportunity on limited days, um, apart from being not a sound financial decision, it would just cause some complications um, outside of that. So it's certainly something that we considered, but um, confident in the decision we made. Um, there's a lot of venues downtown, for example, that are that are still offering takeout, but that's their core business, and they have um, people that that um, that live close by to them. Um, but here, while there's no doubt um, a number of members that will be inconvenienced by that, I think on balance it was the right choice. Back to you, Michaela. Thank you, Sky. The seasonal menus and service have not always reflected our status as a world squadron. What is being done by management to enhance this experience? We've been working very hard on continual improvement. Um, you know, evaluation of menus can be very subjective. Positioning of food can be very subjective. Um, one person's um, interpretation of that can, can differ significantly. Um, since I, since I arrived at the club, I've been very careful to, to focus on the positioning of our menu as being an accessible, um, quality, um, fresh menu um, that provides people with options that they recognise and, um, and understand, but give it a lift when it comes to the care and, and, um, and attention that's, that's given to the food. I'm very confident that we've achieved that across the board. Um, we haven't always got it perfectly, but, but on balance, I'm, I'm confident of that. Um, so I'm not sure. Again, you know, with respect to the um, to the to the consideration of a, of a royal squadron, I think that, that given the feedback that we've received and and um, and the direction that we've made, um, confident that we're in the right in the right headed in the right direction. But we just need to focus on continual improvement. So if there's anything specific at any stage, any member wishes to raise with me, um, I'm, I'm always available. So I, I need people to reach out. So we can have conversations about about um, not just the food and beverage, but about every aspect of the club, um, because everybody has a, a very valid um, insight to give me, um, and I have some very valuable information to give back. So um, I just encourage everyone to reach out to me um, anytime. Back to you, Nicole. Thank you, Scott. How are these periodical closures affecting the staff? Yeah, it's it's difficult again. Um, I think the first time around, well, I know the first time around, um, it was very scary for everybody. Um, so there were some very difficult conversations that I had with the staff group. Um, this time around, um, not so much. You know, everybody um, understands, um, you know, it's, it's very clear, the government's position has been very clear, but they also know that, that there's a light at the end of the tunnel as well. So they get well looked after, the government um, has certainly um, gone over and above when it comes to supporting them. So they're, they're comfortable, they're happy, they know that they have a place back here at the club, they know that we're not going anywhere. So um, the food and beverage staff that have been furloughed again, they're, um, they're all good, they're all good. Back to you, Michaela. Thank you, Scott. Dining is a huge component of what the club offers and how members support their club. How long can the club sustain this holding pattern? Again, a good question. Uh, for as long as we need to, is the, is the short answer. Um, 
economically, um, we can sustain this pattern for for as long as as um, as the government says that we that we have to. Um, I guess the real question for me really is about providing access to the membership to the club and, and operating as we normally would and being social, as Sean said, being social members. How long can we sustain that? Uh, again, I don't have an answer to that question. But from the pure economic perspective, um, it's not hurting us by being closed. Um, that I can guarantee. Um, but I think there's a bigger piece you know, that, um, that, that is involved. Um, there's other clubs that have just closed completely um, and I, I don't want to be closed, I want to be open. Um, so we'll get back open as soon as we can. But the short answer is you know, we can sustain this for as long as we can. Back to you, Michaela. Thank you, Scott. Will the club be hosting any Christmas or New Year's Eve and levy events? Kills me, but probably not, um, is the, again the short answer. Um, very difficult for us to do that. Um, a lot of the traditional events, um, that we're just not able to do um, but we'll have to wait and see i mean we do have you know christmas and and new year's options um ready to go again we were well progressed with planning those but we're just going to have to wait and see um and we're just going to have to see what the uptake might be um there'll be some natural reservation from people once once um, we're back open again a lot of people um for, for good reason you know want, want to socialize in large groups um so again we're just going to have to um, keep our powder dry and just and just wait for the right opportunity to make those decisions. But it's sad, but you know, there's a chance that we might not be able to do those this year. Back to you, Michaela. Thank you, Scott. Has the Commodore done a survey of what the membership wants in terms of reopening? If you ask me this question next Wednesday, the answer would be yes. So Tuesday, you'll see a link to the survey. Uh, India White has almost uh, finished it. And uh, it's just going through the review process now. I've had a look at it as recently as today. Uh, it's excellent in that uh, it's the type of survey that we should be able to use every year about this time uh, to figure out trends going forward. Are the things that we're doing, are they correct? Are they leading us in the right direction? Um, so it's going to be very, very useful. So the amount of time and effort that uh, was put into this uh, should pay dividends. So yes, you'll see it next Tuesday in the e-blast. There'll be a link. Please fill it out. We'd appreciate it very much. Back to you, Michaela. Thank you, Commodore. Can you please advise the members of the status of the mooring balls that are located at McNabb's Island and Rogue's Roost? Yes, because I know so much about this, having reached out to people that know all about this. Um, yes, there's three mooring balls. I, I didn't really know the story, so I, I talked to Wayne and a few, uh, few of our members that know all about this stuff. Uh, we used to have one in Rec Cove, and anybody who's been up in Rec Cove, uh, it's a bit of a zoo these days. Um, so we don't have a mooring ball there anymore. Uh, there is one in Timmins Cove, which is opposite Shearwater Yacht Club, which is a lovely cove. Uh, Phil Wash has dived on that uh, in the past couple of years. It's in good shape. Uh, there's no guarantee, I'm just saying, but it's there and it's uh, it's for use. The other one, and uh, Carl and I have actually been at it uh, on G105, is the, uh, the one in Rogue's Roost, uh, which is still there. Now, there's times when you go to use the mooring ball and it's uh, somebody else is on it. So there's a real odd protocol about uh, do you punt them off and tell them it's ours? How does that all work? Uh, when we were there, we couldn't use it. There was an American boat on it, but they recognized it was a squatter mooring ball, we were a squatter boat and they invited us to come alongside and then filled us full of wine, so it's very good. Um, 
personally, I'd like to see us be able to maintain these, uh, these moorings if we use our volunteer component from the club. We have a ton of talent to be able to do that uh, and throw a very moderate amount of money uh, towards this effort. Uh, it would be great to know that when you cruise our coast, even if it's just staying in the harbor, those two coves, Red Cove and Simmons Cove, um, that you're on a safe mooring. So uh, we'll be looking at that uh, going forward. And in spring, we should have more of an answer for you. Back to you, Michaela. Thank you very much, Commodore. So that concludes the pre-submitted questions and questions and answers component of our second installment of the Town Hall series. Uh, so big thank you to everyone in attendance tonight. Um, if you have a question that wasn't addressed in this session, please feel free to direct your questions to the Commodore and or the general manager at commodore at rnsys.com and general manager at gm at rnsys.com. I would like to now turn it back to the Commodore for his closing remarks. Well, thank you very much for participating. Please fill out the survey next Tuesday when you see it. Um, I can't thank you enough. It's been a very challenging year. Uh, thank you for hanging in there. Um, we have nothing but upside. Uh, I'd say probably in the next four to six weeks, we'll just start We're at the bottom of the curve now. We'll start up, but it'd be the good curve and uh, we'll just come out of this and we'll come out of this stronger uh, together. So uh, we're in good shape and I'm really pleased for that. Uh, I do want to thank Scott and his team for for, uh, for running everything so ably. It's, uh, I'm not sure when he signed on for this job that <laughs> pandemic was, was in the offing, but uh, it's uh, certainly been well handled as well as we can handle it. So we're ready to go. And uh, I really look forward to, uh, to spending time in the club in a, in a normal way. So uh, hang in there, have a great holiday season, however you spend it and be safe. Thank you very much. <laughs>